0: Well, we are in, we are in Psalm 119 again. This is part number nine, so we're almost halfway. Uh, Part number nine of 22 stanzas, going through uh, the longest chapter in the Word of God, Psalm 119. Uh, We are in verse 65, which will bring us down to verse 72. You know, there's a famous saying that I'm sure you've heard, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It's this idea that after you come out of, you know, a traumatic season or a very life-changing moment uh, in your life, you can say, oh, that's why that happened, or this is what God was doing in, in that season of life. You are made to understand uh, occurrences, events, things that come into your life after they happen. It's almost sort of like, oh... They're very obvious. <laughs> you can really clearly understand that uh, this is what was happening and this is why this was happening, because I can see how I've changed or grown uh, through those events. And this idea, hindsight is 2020, it might be sort of just a colloquial thing, but I think, actually, um, it's very true for our spiritual lives, too. I think most especially for Christians, uh, I think this idea of, uh, hindsight being twenty twenty is sort of uh, intrinsically tied to our faith that just as we were as, as we've been talking about that you believe in the assurance of the word and that God is always sovereign even when it doesn't make sense, knowing that eventually one day hindsight will be twenty twenty either here on this earth or in the next life to come where it'll be if you can have more perfect vision than twenty twenty, you'll be able to see back on all of history and know this is exactly what God was doing. Here's His hand here coming into my life, and here's His hand there coming into my life, doing things that we didn't see at the at the moment, but He was working. That's I think really a summary of the Christian life for me. It's looking back often on God's goodness. And seeing it as good, even in seasons where it doesn't feel good. And I think that's kind of the, that's the, clear, it, it, that's the clear vision of what God's doing. He, he's, he's always doing something. He's always doing some sort of work on us, doing some sort of, uh, sort of refining work on us, on our souls, our hearts, on our minds, on our lives. And I think some, oftentimes we're rarely aware of that work, but he's always doing it. And I think all of those events will prove one thing. The hindsight of the Christian, I think, will always prove that God is good. And that's not just a pithy thing or a cliche thing. I think it's just uh, the fact of Scripture. That he works all things out for good for them who are called according to his purpose. That's not just a simple thing that we can say and just spout off and, and hope that it does. We can know it for sure. God's word promises us that. The other side of any significant moment in your life will always reveal that God is good. Yes, it might bring you through a very tumultuous time, a very uh, torrential time, a time which is incredibly stressful. David knew this firsthand, but he was always able to say, God is good. He reveals it through his word. He reveals it through the works that he does in our life. It's what he is. It's who God is. And really, I think that's what David is going to sort of speak to in this stanza here this morning. He's sort of reflecting on the goodness of God throughout his entire life. Through all seasons of life, through all phases, through all moments, he's reflecting on this idea that the goodness of God has never left him. It has never faded away. It has never gone away from him. Even in times, as we're going to get into, when he has been afflicted, he says, it's a good thing that I was, because I was made to see that goodness with clearer vision. Look at what he says. Verse 65. David writes, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good, and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Here, again, he is reflecting on God's goodness. I think there's three quick lessons I want to point out to you this morning. That we find it here as he's uh, stating all these truths. As he's enveloping himself with the word. And he is made to, first of all, have a recollection of goodness past. First of all, a recollection of goodness past. Look at 65 again. He says, Thou hast what dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Again, you can see it. He's, he's recollecting, he's remembering the, the good dealings of God in his life, in his past, in all the events and seasons and, and the things that he has been through. He's remembering that all of those things, throughout all of them, God has dw- dealt well with me. If you remember, uh, verse 17 of the same chapter is sort of the, uh, the, the foregoing prayer of this prayer. Uh, Psalm 119.17 says, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. And now here he's saying, thou hast dwelt, dealt well. You can kind of see it. He's at one moment in his life, he's saying, God, I need you to deal well with me. Let me see and feel and be immersed in your goodness. And now here he's reflecting on you were good to me. You were good to me in those things, in those moments, just as you promised you would be. According to your word. I love that. Again, that's the phrase that's, that's popping up throughout this this whole entire chapter so far, and here he is re- reminding the Christian. I think also reminding himself that God's goodness is always done according unto what God has promised. All of God's promises will be dealt, will have the Christian feel that that God is dealing well with them, even, yes, when it doesn't make sense. Because, of course, this doesn't make sense if you look at David's life. If you look at it just objectively in a vacuum and you look at the things that God brought him through, it doesn't make sense that he would come to the end of his life, perhaps, and say, God, you really did me well. When you think about the scandal and the stress and the strife that he went through. That he was brought through. Think about that. The, the, he was made to, or he wasn't made to, but he had this affair. And then he covered it up with a murder. And then his own son Absalom was the one that came in and was uh, attacking his throne. <laughs> he was a, a, a king who never knew anything uh, but strife, but conflict. He was a king who uh, was one who had bloodshed all over his reign. He was a king that had a tumultuous reign. And he is one who is coming now and he's here and he's affirming this fact. God, you've dealt well with me. You have been good to me. The Prayer doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to make much human sense. It reminds me of another prayer of another great uh, uh, biblical figure, Joseph. I'm going to read a verse. You can turn there if you want to. It's Genesis 50, verse 20. You might know this verse. He's coming to the end of his life. And I love this assertion. Joseph, here uh, as he's nearing his death, verse 20, he's speaking to his brothers. But he says this, but as for you, my brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Think about that. (laughs) Joseph, he is now here at the end of his life, too, much like David after him. But right now he is saying, God, you dealt well with me. Everyone around me, they meant it for evil. My brothers betrayed me and sold me into slavery and pretended to that my father that I had died. But God, you meant this for good. God, I felt like at times you forgot me in that prison, but you meant it for good. It doesn't make sense that Joseph would say this. <laughs> It doesn't make much human sense that he would say, you meant it for evil, but God, you meant it for good. It equally doesn't make much sense that we would pray this oftentimes when we're in a season of incredible stress. But this is the prayer that we can pray. Yes, even when we are in those types of moments. Moments of grief, moments of suffering, moments of sorrow, seasons when it doesn't make sense that God would bring us through. We can say the same prayer God, you have dealt well with me. You have dealt well with me. You've been good to me. There was a moment in my life when I was, I felt this exact same way. And it was a moment actually right before we moved up to Pennsylvania. You know, last, last, at the beginning of 2018, I had uh, gone and started working for this church. And then it was told to me that this church would no longer be able to support me financially. And it didn't make much sense. Why did, God, you made me move. You made me relocate my family to this new location further south in Florida. (laughs) And We had tried to find settlement there, and then now we're being told that, you know, you don't want us here. I remember being incredibly stressed at the end of 2018. And at the beginning of this year, I was working two different jobs and trying to make sure everything was lining up. And then God brought this church into my life. And now my hindsight is saying, oh, look at what God was doing. (laughs) But in that moment, it didn't make much sense. In that moment, it didn't feel very good. (laughs) Now I can say, God, you are doing a really good work. I think that's what faith is. There's this, uh, there's this line from one of Hillsong United's worship songs. I don't like all their songs, but some of their lines are really good. And, and one of them, the, the, the singer, he boldly shouts, he, he declares, faith makes a fool of what makes sense. I, I kind of like that. That even in those moments, your faith is holding on to this promise that God is good. Yes, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when all around you, it doesn't feel good and right. And this isn't how life is supposed to go, so to speak. But God, you are good. You have dealt well with me. It's this goodness of God that is always there, whether you feel it or not. It's always there. It's the undercurrent of our lives. Whether you are able to palpably feel the God's goodness or see God's goodness, he is always good to you. It's the promise of his word, and his promise is sure and steadfast. And his promises, you know, just like his promises are sure and steadfast, whether we're resting them in them or not. They're still there. His promise is still there. We can can rest in that goodness or we can choose to try to find our own. But whether we are or not, it's still there. It's still a sure and steadfast promise of God that he is good to us. Why? Because he has promised us according to his word, David is saying. According unto his word, he has assured us that he will be good. And he's always good according to that promise. I think most of the oftentimes we get frustrated. I can say this definitively because I was this way. <laughs> we get frustrated with God because He's not good to us according to our timing, our wants, our desires, our wishes, our plans, our dreams. I've felt this through many years of my own life, just my visions for my future. And I would get frustrated when God kept closing doors, kept uh, shutting down plans, kept saying, no, I'm going to change your plans uh, drastically. (laughs) And that's when it doesn't feel good because you're focused on something other than God's word. See, that's what we've been trying to envelop ourselves as we've gone through this chapter. It's just the fact that God's word is instant, in season, and out of season. And it's completely relevant no matter what season of life you're going through. It's the thing that sustains our Christian life. And it sustains us in such a way that it, it alters our dreams and desires and plans and wants and wishes. It changes those fundamentally to where even when they are changed, we, aren't, uh, we don't go through incredible seasons of stress because we know God is changing them. Yes, God will still bring seasons like that into our life. Moments, times when it doesn't feel good. But often I think the disappointment uh, in life arises because of our false sort of expectations on God. Hey God, you were supposed to do this for me. And God's, I don't remember promising you that. (laughs) I don't remember telling you that. Because God never fails in his word. He is always true according to his word. Our disappointment rises because we think he's supposed to do such and such thing for us. He's supposed to work this thing out. He's supposed to uh, not let my family member pass away. He's supposed to uh, heal them. He's supposed to bring everyone back together. But sometimes he does not. But he's always good. He's always good. He is never not good. I love, let me read you a verse from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. I think this is one of the most formative verses for me in my own life. 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. Paul is writing, he says this, he says, If we believe not Yet he abideth faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Did you catch that? Whether we are believing and seeing and feeling God's goodness or not, he is still faithful to you. He cannot lie. He cannot go back on himself. He cannot go back on his word. He cannot deny himself. He has promised and assured and he has covenanted with us that he is going to deal well with us. Whether we are seeing it or not, he is always dealing well with us. Yes, even through seasons that upset our, our lives. That upset sort of our plans. Just think about David's and Joseph's life. Do you think that their lives went according to plan? <laughs> according to how they thought that this was going to work out? Most likely not. <laughs> Yet their faithful hindsight, we might say, showed them that God's goodness was there all along. It was always there. It was the undercurrent of their life. Let me read you a verse from elsewhere in the Psalms. Verse: This is Psalm 139, verse 17. It's a psalm of David again. He says this, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. (laughs) I want to talk about goodness. That's the goodness of God. The goodness of God for David was more numberless than the sand. He couldn't even count all the ways God was being good and dealing well with him. I love that. You know, one of my pastors and mentors, he once said that God's goodness is always greater than we remember it. That in fact, I think a couple of weeks ago, I shared this quote from John Piper where he says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. I, I like that because it's, it's very true, but I also think that it, it reflects and it resonates right with what we're talking about. That you may be aware of only three gifts of God's goodness in your life when he's doing 10,000, 10 million things in your life at one time. He's always better than we give him credit for. God is always more good, if I can say that, than we think that he is. He's a gooder God than we often give him credit for we can only see a finite sort of little glimpse of his goodness to us. Even in hindsight, we can see just the little things that he's working, but he's doing numberless things, countless things, more countless than the sand on the, on the seashores. He is working things out, being good, dealing well with us. His goodness is seen throughout all of our lives and our recollections, like David here, our recollections of God's goodness past are always sort of a little bit inaccurate. They're just a little bit inaccurate because they don't even see the full picture. One day we will see. Remember Paul says, we see right now through a glass darkly, but then one day we're going to see face to face. And in that moment we will be able to see the full history of God's goodness to us in the face of Christ himself. Look at verse 66 and a couple of verses down. because we have a second lesson for us. He was reflecting on God's goodness past. And here now he has a repose on God's goodness present. Look at verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me. But I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grief, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. So David's experience, David's sort of um, remembering of all of those good dealings of God. In his past, in the things and events of his past life, he is now praying that God, teach me to see it right now. He says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. He also says, verse 68, teach me thy statutes. In verse 71, that I might learn thy statutes. God, I want to be able to see this goodness in my present. Right here, right now, right where I am. Help me to, I know that you have been good. Help me to see that even now. He wants to be taught the truth and how to apply it to his present. He wants to be uh, made to see how he can practice that truth in his own life. That word teach there though is a very, very important word to know. It's, in the Hebrew it actually means to discipline or to train or even yes, to chastise. You can see how different this prayer is. He's not just saying, teach me like a teacher on a chalkboard. He's saying, discipline me, chastise me in your truth to see your goodness. He's praying for God's chastisement because he knows that that's how he's taught. He knows that through that chastisement, through God's chastisements and disciplines, he is learning what true goodness looks like. You can see it. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. I think oftentimes that's what it takes. Sometimes that's what it takes. We are just so stubbornly self righteous, self centered, and sinful and spiteful. We need God's affliction to turn us around, to get our eyes off of ourselves and to see Him. I think someone else said this, that the, the best lessons are often learned through tears. I think David is testifying to that. Before I was afflicted, I was going my own way. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. But now, after I was afflicted, I have kept your word. I have learned what goodness is. I have learned what truth looks like. I have learned what it means to be your follower, your disciple Martin Luther, one of my favorite reformers, he said this. He says, I never knew the meaning of God's word until I came into affliction. I have always found it one of my best schoolmasters. He too saw that this book of God is the book of, of, of the afflicted. And in that affliction, there uh, those who are afflicted are learning the goodness of God throughout every single season of life. Sometimes God has to do that. He has to allow affliction into our life to rein us back in. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, He says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn, that I might see, that I might know your goodness. There was a moment in my life where <laughs> uh, I remember this very distinctly. Uh, I'll just tell you this quick story. When I was a freshman in college, I was driving uh, to go to my job. I used to work at Panera Bread. My brother at the time he was traveling, and so I was driving his truck. Yay me! And it was a Ford F one hundred and fifty. And I re- I say that because I was driving his truck to work, and something I don't I, to this day I don't really remember what happened. And I got in a car accident in my brother's truck <laughs> and I totaled it because I hit the other car head on, it was a head on collision. And I remember just all of a sudden, bang, there was a head on collision. I don't even know how it happened. And I can tell you, <laughs> this is just, this is true hindsight is 2020. I don't have any, I didn't have any, I didn't have a scratch on me from that accident. <laughs> Head-on collision going about 40 on a two-lane road with no braking, and I didn't have any scratches, any broken bones. The guy, he just had a little bit of whiplash. You want to talk about God intervening in your life? <laughs> That's the moment when God was intervening in my life. Like, hey, Brad, what are you doing? <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> it was a very, uh, uh, very violent wake-up call <laughs> in a lot of ways. But I think about the fact that if my brother hadn't been traveling at that time, I would have been driving another car, which probably would have meant that I might not be standing here today. Because I was driving a big truck that was able to withstand a lot of the impact of a collision like that, instead of a little tiny car that I probably would have been driving otherwise. God is so good. He deals in ways that we don't even know. That we don't even see in the moment. And then when we are made to reflect. Made to you know like that song. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It's kind of a, a, a funny song. But if you sit and count. How many times God has been good to you. You'll only see again. That small fraction of it. <coughs> it's rarely in the moment. That God or that we see that goodness. But he is always good to us. Even in those times of affliction. Even though those times of suffering. Because I think it's in those moments when God is actually dealing with us to see what true comfort in his word looks like. True sort of rest. And we're made to possess and practice our faith. When we are pressed and afflicted. I think this is. That this is the reality is that the word of God won't really mean in, anything to you anything to you unless it's all that you have, until you're made to see, "I don't have anything God then other than this promise." So I'm just going to bank on that until it hits the ground of your life. You say, "I just have to just trust in this, this word alone." I think that's what David was writing about. That he had been afflicted to such a degree that he was saying, God, I don't have anything else to trust in other than you. And God's saying, good, that's what I was trying to get you to see. That's what I was trying to get you to realize. That you don't have anything else to trust in but me. And that's what God is doing. He's proving his goodness. And David, as he's sort of reposing on this goodness in his present, he's saying, God, let me see it right now. And he will prove it. God is constantly showing this goodness of himself. This grace of his son in more in ways than we can even know and see. And this is what God is perpetually teaching us. You see, uh, our view of happiness is a, a much smaller, sort of narrower uh, view of happiness and goodness. Ours would be that it's the absence of trouble. That if we want uh, good lives, we don't have conflict, we don't have strife. See, God's view of goodness and happiness is much different. It's not the absence of trouble, it's his presence in trouble. That's what goodness looks like. Hey, you're going through a tumultuous, terrible season. I am there with you. I'm the shepherd who never leaves your side. Such is what David testifies to in verse 68 in our third lesson. He had a recollection on goodness past or a prose on goodness present. And here, verse 68 through the end, he talks about a resolution for goodness future. Look at what he says. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. You know, there's that, that colloquial phrase in Christendom that says, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. That's not just like a pithy thing. God, David here is testifying that. He says, thou art good. You could almost say, and all the time art thou good. <laughs> you could infer that in the text. And David is testifying to that, that he's verifying that this is who God is, that God is a good God. And he's seen it in his past, and he's feeling it and praying for it, and he's present. He's knowing it to be true. That's what he's banking on, trusting in, hoping in for the future. And such is why here in verse 72, he's attesting to that uh, all superior uh, value of God's word. He says, thy law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. God's word, his word of goodness to me and to us is worth more than whatever the world can buy and offer. It's worth more than anything that the world can tell us to trust in, to believe in. And why? Because the word tells us of Jesus. This word is worth more than anything. Why? Because it tells us of the person who personified goodness on earth. He personified God's goodness in the flesh. It tells us of the one who is goodness, and his goodness is so inexhaustible and so powerful that it consumes all of our badness in himself. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus was. He's the one in whom it says, and I think in 2 Corinthians, that the glory and goodness of God shines in his face. He's the one who purchased our goodness with his own blood. This is what the word tells us. This is why it's worth more than thousands of gold and silver. It's worth more than uh, a bank account with nine digits. Because it tells us of Jesus. It tells us of goodness personified. And when we awake in the morning, when we wake up from a, 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 a night that was not good sleep because of such and such thing in your life, from such and such stressor that's afflicting you, We have a goodness and a peace that we did not earn, that we did not deserve, that we've been given by grace, by Jesus. This is what the word tells us. This is why we can resolve to trust in this goodness throughout the rest of our life. Because we know that it's based on, again, it's based on not ourselves. It's based on according unto thy word. The word which God cannot go back on. So we can face hardship with this promise of goodness past and goodness present and goodness for the future. Because we know that God in all seasons will be good to us. One writer, the the famous commentator that I've been referencing, Charles Bridges. He has a wonderful commentary on this chapter and he says, God is goodness. Good in himself, good in his essence, good in the highest degree. All the names of God are comprehended in this one good. This is who we have as our God, our Father, our Savior, our ever-present help and friend in trouble. He's, a, he's with us in those seasons when it doesn't make sense. And he's showing us, proving us, proving to us all the ways that he is good to us. This is the God who never leaves us, never forgets us, never is far from us. He is always with us. So we can hold on to that promise. Yes, even when it doesn't make sense. Because faith holds on to Jesus. Let us pray.